Welcome to the Irish Tech News Podcast, presented by the tech doctor, Ronan Leonard. Okay, so today we have something a little bit different for the Irish Tech News Podcast. Um, It seemed to make sense with the growing rise in podcasts to talk to our in-house resident expert podcaster, uh, Ronan Leonard, or the tech doctor. So, Thanks for having us on your own show. No problem, Simon. <laughs> Glad to be here. Um, so, you've been doing it for a while. Um, maybe tell us how long you've been doing it and, and why you decided to do it in the first place. Yeah, well, I started in 2016. And the reason why is I was doing a lot of interviews with people and I was recording it all, uh, on audio. I got myself a little audio dictation machine to record them. And then I go transcribe by hand everything I was recording. And I'd been down to interview somebody, a company down in uh, Kildare, and they were called Email Laundry, and they do, uh, they do stuff that teach you how not to fish. So when you're in a company, they give you techniques and show you how you can be fished by rogue emails. So I spent a day interviewing those guys down there. When I came back, I spent about a day contributing the audio onto text, and I got bored of that. So I asked our editor, John, could I start doing uh, doing podcasts because it's going to be a lot easier. And also, when you go to podcasts, you can say a lot more because when you're writing uh, an interview or, or and all, everything else, it can be very, very long and you keep scrolling down, down the page. And also, no one's got all day to do that. And also, with a podcast, <clears throat> you can hear them when you're in the gym, when you're going to, to and from work and anytime you want. And they're always going to be evergreen content. So yeah. I started doing that and then... You got me in touch with a guy called I think Andy Donahue who did a tech show on TV3. And there yeah. was a guy coming over to Ireland called Chad Hollingsworth who was, who was doing a, some technology for sports that can uh, detect brain injuries, head injuries, and tell you if one of, your team, if one of the uh, players in your team got injured and how serious it could be. So I interviewed him and then I had to get the podcast out. Around the same time, the the interview they were doing for TV3 was going to go on TV. So I took a while, and then uh, I was playing about with how to edit the podcast because I didn't know what software to use. At that point, I uh, had a had a, I had a PC, a laptop, and I was using, uh, trying to use Audacity, which I found terribly hard to use. So a while later, I got myself a MacBook Pro, and then a good friend of mine, Damo, he met before, he just finished a, a, a course on how to do how to do make music for video games, and part of the course was using GarageBand, which is free in the Mac. So he spent half an hour teaching me how to edit uh, rough edits on, on GarageBand. So when I'm editing a podcast, how to edit roughly, so I, I can just put together and splice in and out things that don't go well. So in the interview, if there's a mistake made or somebody comes in the room and a doctor's barking, I like, know when to edit that bit of the podcast. So he taught me how to do that, and since then I've been using that to do it. And uh, I've done basically since that 225 plus podcasts over the years. And they've all been very different and very, very fun. Cool. Okay. So that's really good. And uh, you kind of lead me into my next question, which is with 325 done, um, which, which ones have been the most enjoyable? And with, you can either name specifics or not name specifics, but it's more... Which were the most enjoyable, and, and, and in what way did you feel that they were particularly good and worked well? Well, 
when I first started doing the podcast, the first second one I ever recorded was with a guy called uh, I think it's Jean Fran- Jean Fran- uh, Francois Clairvoy. He was a French uh, astronaut, and he was a guy who was on the mission uh, with NASA. Well, that's your part of a telescope, and he was the guy who controlled the robot arm. And I was offered a chance to interview him because he was doing some talk in uh, Northern Ireland for, for their Space Week. But when it came to, when I recorded a podcast, it was around the time Elon Musk was saying we should all be looking at going to Mars because uh, the Earth is going to have problems in the, in the near future. And I talked to him a bit about that and about what, he, what he's done uh, with NASA and since then, and now he's working with the uh, ESA and he helps them train their astronauts as well. So, when I did the podcast, it does get a snare when you record a podcast, when do you publish it? And at the time I, I was a, I was recording, my podcast wasn't ready to, to publish it because I hadn't started, I hadn't re- uh, published any of them yet. So, later in the year, when we had a, our own space week in Ireland, I could then publish it because it, it then fitted right in. Another one I really enjoyed doing was Jamie Heaslip. I got him two years ago. He was doing a, he was promoting himself as a tech on, as a tech investor because at that point he invested in different companies. One that he invested in was Pointy, which was bought last year by uh, by Google. And he's got a few different investments in tech, all in different areas. So his eggs aren't all, all in one basket. And it was good to see somebody uh, who was well known as Iron Rugby captain and played for Leinster. He was somebody who saw a future beyond his, his career and, and beyond rugby. And he was saying how what he did. And he also explained that when he invested companies, it's a bit like rugby. You rely on, on a team. And he said, I don't want to be every day coming to a company I'm invested in, look over the show, see how they're getting on. I've got to make sure I've got a team in place so that when I come in every now and again, I'm just coming and say hello, see things are going on, I'm going to walk out. I'm not going to be there all the time over the shoulders. And like rugby, you rely on your teammates. And says, I write that if you don't have a good team, I won't invest in you. So he always says that when you're known to, when you're investing in, in business, always have look for a good team. If the team isn't there, you then say, well, either do I invest and get to change the team or do I walk away? Another one I enjoyed doing was I did these guys called uh, I think they called DNA Helix a few years ago. They they developed this uh, new way of storing data on on DNA. And when I interviewed them, they were just about to go to South by Southwest in a, in Austin, Texas, and they're based in a, yep. in a, in Cork. And the main investor for them is is uh, Bill Lau. So I interviewed them for a podcast, and a week okay. later I was interviewing Girl Crew, and they were off to uh, South by Southwest to uh, do some big events there and promote themselves. And I told them, when you're there, watch out for Dina Helix. These guys are gonna are gonna do amazing things. When I interviewed them, my uh, jaw dropped on the floor. When uh, West happened, those guys in Helix won the uh, Best New Startup Award. So I knew they were going to go somewhere. Now, what they've got is technology that right now, it's still early days yet. I mean, they can store Zeta and DNA, but the right speeds are very, very slow. But the aim is in the future, we could all have our own uh, private cloud storage in our house by using these. And the storage device they're stored in is going to be so strong that if there was a nuclear uh, attack anywhere, the data wouldn't be destroyed, which is interesting. <laughs> so the ants, yeah, the ants and the robots can listen to it then. <laughs> yeah. And also, another one um, I, I did was, I did one about a month and a half ago, a month ago, a guy called Dr. Bruce Rosner. He's developed a new technology that allows you to store medicines anywhere. So what it does is, 
he's created a facility that if they, for example, there's a cure for a coronavirus, you can throw a coronavirus in a, li in a little needle that you use once and then you throw away. But what there is, it's stored in, in a normal box that can be stored anywhere in the hot or cold. So if you're in Sahara Desert or the Antarctica, it's fine. You don't require any fridge or anything else to do this. You can have a little warehouse full of these boxes that can store medicine. And his ability to make up to a million plus a week in a, in a factory they can build for you to do this. And that's me blew my mind because normally right now, when we're talking about coronavirus or any other, any other illnesses, you're trying to create vaccines for. you got to start them in a certain place and have also got a use-by date. With his, with his technology, there's no use-by date. It can be stored and left for 20 years. Like a good wine and you can open it and use it. So that to me is going to be a game changer. So when they release the coronavirus vaccine, hopefully they talk with Dr. Bruce and his team and they're able to use that. So in other words, you can block by enough supply for, or build enough for like five or ten years and leave it there and knowing that it's not going to have a sell-by date and you have to like milk those or normal medicine. So you can store it for long-term use and know that you've got enough to last you five years. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. So... With, with, with your podcasts, I guess, <clears throat> what kind of feedback have you had in terms of how do people consume them? Well, where and how do people like to listen to your podcasts? Well, some of them listen on the Irish Tech News website because we, we, we embed them from SoundCloud onto there. Also, the Irish yeah. Tech News app. And then uh, oh, yeah. also... So what I mean, though, is I mean, I mean, do they listen to it in the gym? Do they listen to it on the bus? Oh, have you had any feedback? Oh, I haven't had any... Well, some listen to it in the gym. I've had a few VCs tell me they listen to it on the airplane when they're going across and two from meetings in America. They play on my podcasts on their uh, on their smartphone because they want to hear latest news in tech and who I'm interviewing next. Because I, I try now and again mm -hmm. to get a few startups that aren't that well known to give them the voice if I can do. So they're listening to, to hear who I've uh, been talking to and what's latest technology, what's going, what's what's latest things going around. So. Well, they want to invest in something else. They have an idea of my fingers in the pulse. What's new? What we're investing? What technology should I be looking out for? Like, for example, at the moment, everything is going in. A lot is going into into, into AI. So they're looking at what companies are using AI AI uh, that can be useful. Like, AI, for example, that can be used to actually manage and go and sort through lots of lots of lots of data. So you only pulls out what you need data wise. Cool. Okay, so that's that's very interesting. Um, I guess when when you do the interviews with people, what 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 would your tips be to 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 elicit and get a good, interesting interview and therefore podcast out of your interviews? Because you know, like I imagine that they they, they want to promote whatever their latest thing is, but obviously you want to you want to tease it out and make it more interesting. So, yep. do you have any? tips on, on, on how, how to give value to the listeners from your podcasts. Yeah, well, before, the interviews, before I did the interview, I always pre-range them topics and questions I'm going to discuss just so I can prep with them and also to make sure that I don't uh, ask questions that, that they don't answer or, be, or become too advertorial. Because advertorial yeah. podcasts, to me, aren't great because all you're doing is selling a story and you can see that on, on the uh, TV or radio and it's an advert. And in my view, it's doing half an hour advertorial of, of something that isn't great. Now, obviously, during an interview, I'll mention about what they're talking about. So if they've got a new technology or a new product they're going to be launched soon, that's fine. But I also get insights on the area they're talking about. Like, early in the year, I did a podcast on, a, on new technology being developed in Kazakhstan 
where the, they're developing a road that can charge electric cars. So it's a little bit like skeletics. You, you go along the road and your car's been charged. So I interviewed okay. them, and what, and why don't you just talk about that technology and what they've done? I've also asked them about what other cars it can be used for and how easy it is to produce this in the world, and how is it good for the, economy, for the environment, for example, and the economy, because obviously if you're using these less petrol involved and everything, other things, so how is it good? And other podcasts I've done, I would actually utilize their knowledge. Like if someone's giving a talk at a conference and the conference is, is coming up, I would talk about the conference near the end. Most of all, I talk about their experience, what they've, what they've done. If somebody is uh, uh, doing like, something like tech security at a conference, I talk about hacking, I'd actually ask them basically, what have they seen has happened recently? What's changed? Has technology changed the way uh, hackers uh, evolve? Like right now, we're seeing more of them use cryptocurrencies, where 10 years ago, they weren't doing that. I'd also yeah. ask them, for example, near the end, I mentioned, oh, you're at this conference. Can you explain what you're going to talk about? So people would have an idea what their talk is about. And by knowing already what the person and skills are, knowledge is, leading into this question, the, the people would think, oh, great. I've already learned how good this guy is. And what he's talking about is interesting. I know he knows what he's talking about. And I know he's got great knowledge in this certain area. It's good to know what he's going to talk about. Now it's going to be of use to me or my work clients or my work uh, workmates. Okay, cool. Um, so, so we're 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 just over halfway through twenty twenty. Um, yeah. Where do, do you do you, if you had a wish list, like who who would you love to have on the show, and what kind of themes and areas within tech would you like to cover going forwards? Well, I've got a I've got a list of people, some dead, some alive. So I'm going to break it in two parts: my live list and dead list. Oh and the uh, deadness is people that you love to get on because it's like basically if you ask who do you have to, for dinner, five guests, dead or alive. Oh. And like, but for me, for, for my life list, first of all, would be Helen Dixon. She's the Data Protection Commissioner of Ireland. And because she's the head of the, of the data police in Europe, I'd like to know her views on what's going on at the moment with the government, how they've uh, abused certain data protection, data issue rights, and also... How do you handle people like Facebook and Twitter and other, other people who yeah. are doing things like how they control they manage hate speech, how they control ele- how they manage stuff during election time so you don't have people that are, are trying to control elections by, by promoting uh, nefarious and uh, untruths on social media. I'd also have on Steve Wozniak because yes, this, he's a he's guy that's guy. done so much over the years. I'd like to see his views on where Apple's going now because there's no Steve Jobs, will they ever be what they, what they once were but they were 10 years ago? Also, is you and technology, how is, it, how is it going to improve and change? I have Elon Musk, because obviously he's controversial, and now and again you need that to keep uh, people involved, asking about Mars, asking about the time he, he was selling flamethrowers online via Twitter, his various yeah. tweets, is it, if you use electric cars, how is it going to work, electric batteries? How he's got, like in Australia, for example, he, he has um, electric batteries been used to power small towns. How that could work worldwide and, and help the uh, environment. And I have Richard Branson, because over the years he's been an entrepreneur that's involved in so many things. But he's still doing it and still managed to reinvent himself. And he still managed to get involved in technology and everything else. And when something new comes along, he's always trying to get involved or, or work with it. And he's something I think that... Uh, from where he started to where he is now, 
He's done a hell of a lot of work, and he's always moved in new areas from weddings to to um, music to now doing his entrepreneur where he, where he invests in, in, in certain startups. And as to Sir Tim Berners-Lee, because he's the guy who invented the modern internet and asked his views on, on uh, privacy and security, uh, privacy on the web, and should be a free speech, and where he thinks it's going to go next, and uh, should should certain governments have the right to decide how, what we can and can't see online? He's in, interesting. I know Joe Rogan, because he's got the world's biggest podcast, the most well-known podcast, and okay, he's making yeah, yeah. millions off, and I'd like to know how he does this, Who's how, how he gets his guests on, how he managed to get them to say things that normally you wouldn't get. Like, he gets someone on, like, a, they had a Twitter, Jack Dorsey, to go on and say things you normally wouldn't, wouldn't think Jack would say. But he gets them to go and say, look, Jack, be honest, none of the BS. What's this? What's that? That kind of, like... Also, um, the the Carson brothers, because of what they've done. I met them years ago when they just started off and started the first company back in 2004. And see how they've improved since then. And I actually met them at an event they were running in Ireland about seven years ago. And they told me at the time that they actually wouldn't be able to do Stripe in Ireland because no one would invest in them. Even though they already had the probe and exit from when the, the first startup, they said we couldn't have done it. They had to go to America. So I'll talk to them about that. Also, I'll talk about to, to Des Trainer, because what he's done with Intercom is phenomenal. And he's managed to yeah, keep... and they've been very good at marketing themselves and communicating their message, I would say. Yeah, and also they've got a great guy called John Collins. He used to be a journalist in the Irish Times. He moved over and became the head of media. And when he joined them, he, he decided to do, we're going to do podcasts, we're going to do various things online and various blog articles. And his view was, everyone in the company should write one blog article, at least one. I'll edit it, make sure it looks okay. good. And his view was that, he had said that one time he was, uh, he got one of his guys was in the office doing something. He said, what are you doing? Oh, I'm trying to solve this problem and I just can't get around it. And he goes, let me know when you solved it. Which he said, oh, John, I solved the problem. He goes, that's great. He says, now write a blog post about it. Why? Because it's going to be useful. A month later, one of their clients said, I, I, wrote, I, wrote that, I read the blog post you wrote about solving the problem. I had the same problem myself in our company. Thanks to you, we fixed it. So then they, that content got shared. So now and again, that happens. And that to me is great. And then another guy I have on would be, obviously Jack Dorsey and Mark Zuckerberg. So I want to see how they're handling what's going on right now and how they've got too much power in the world. Because right now, a lot of the media we, we consume, is a lot of it is via Facebook. Because that's the, right now is the world's biggest search engine. And since last year, Facebook launched videos on there. A lot of YouTube content is now gone to Facebook because of this. And also Jack Dorsey, how he handles hate speech, how the uh, platform has gone over the years and improved from what it once was, future plans of, of Twitter and where he plans to go with it. Yeah. Look, I think I think they would all be great people to have on. So uh, fingers crossed we can reach out and get them. Yeah, and um, then my deadlist, I'd have three yes, guys in deadlist. Steve Jobs, yeah. because everything we've done in the past 40 years computing-wise has been done via Steve Jobs. He snowed, he noticed the GUI back in 1979 when he was at the Parks facility, which is owned by Xerox. He saw that. He said, I want to use that. He thought it was from his feature. He also was a guy <coughs> who liked calligraphy and fonts. And when they first developed the Mac, he said, I want fonts on the Mac. And right now, every major thing we do writing-wise is done via fonts. 
And also, he, he also was a guy who changed the music industry. And back in the late 90s and early 90s, it was all basically uh, people using, using various dif different, different products to illegally stream music. And he, he said, there's got to be a way around this. And he got record companies to go and talk to him. And all of them did bar one. Sony, who owns CBS, at the time wanted to launch their own service to go on their, on their uh, Walkmans. That didn't work. They came back to Steve Jobs and said, look, sorry, we made a mistake. Can we do this? And also through that, also we got podcasting. And then from the iPod, we got the iPhone and the iPad. And now we've got modern smartphones thanks to him. And I have David Bowie because he's always been a, a, a tech visionist throughout the years. Yeah. Like back in 83, he was the first person in the world, uh, musician, to send a, an email when he was on tour, on a serious moonlight tour. He's done things over the years. He was uh, in, 80, in 1995, 96, he got a, a CD single on, on it. He allowed you to uh, remix the single yourself using built-in software you built into it. If you played on, on a computer with a CD, he also was the first person to have a have a CD available to download online. First person to do an online concert didn't work out too well because technology wasn't there. He also did he also did a thing where he, he sold off his future sales in in his in his IP so he, he could buy back everything he owned and and, and uh, invest reinvest himself. He also uh, did his one of the first. Uh, Web hosting service called BowieNet. I think it was the Brooklyn Dodgers or, or the New York Yankees. He developed their website. That isn't around anymore. But I remember back in 2000, he did an interview with Jeremy uh, Paxman, and he said, the future for me is the internet. That's going to change things forever. And it has done. And when he yeah. launched in 2013, his second last album before he died, that was launched just on, on social media. Nobody else, no one knew it was happening by his band. Sydney social media got this big push of, of this new thing coming out. And that, that was something that was impossible on social media. Years ago, you couldn't do that. You, you can now. And last person to have is George Orwell, because of Big Brother 1984. And how would you yep. feel about technology now and what it's doing and how what he was saying is kind of come to uh, permission? Still there? Yeah, I'm still here, yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I think... That's a great list, and it would be cool, and it could happen that potentially someone could build an AI to create the persona of those various people to perhaps elicit a podcast interview with an AI representation of Bowie and the other guys. So who knows? We might yet be able to do that. Yeah. So my final question for you would be, um, what's a good way to wrap up interviews, and do you ever – try and ensure that there's one unprepared question to, to elicit something surprising or unexpected, you know, what, what do you do to, to wrap up and have a bit of sparkle in your podcasts? Well, I actually, I always ask them, is there anything else you want to add to the podcast? Because that way I'm just letting them say what they want. I'm not giving them, I'm saying, look, what else do you think we should, you want to talk about? We haven't mentioned. So that way they get to, they get to mention something that's off the cuff or something I know what they're going to say next. They might say, oh, yes, we've covered all. But can I just say, that app I mentioned earlier that we just developed, that's going to be launched in, a, in three weeks' time in Ireland and six weeks' time in America. Or they might say, oh, yes, and I forgot to mention earlier that when you asked us about funding, 
right now we're really close to, to uh, we're looking at talking to people in, in America because we feel the future market is America or something else. But I always make sure to ask them that kind of question. So that way they actually, and also I tell them in the interview before it starts, when I ask this question, that means we're about to wrap up. So I'm going to ask you this that way. If the interview is getting long or boring and they and they they might feel they're getting stale, they're not going to go and tell me, oh, it's stale or boring. They're going to know when I ask that question, we're going to wrap up. Because I've been in interviews that's been so stale and boring that maybe lasted 50 minutes max, and I always put that in, and then they know, okay, we walked on too much, we spoke too much, or we, we, we think we've covered everything we can't cover. I'll throw this in. But, and also, uh, as well, and the only again, I tend to have interviews with people where I haven't advan- given anything in advance, and I've been told by the PR person they can talk about certain topics, and I'll, I'll just talk about that, and then last minute I might throw them, uh, just disoccur about. So what do you think of, of, of uh, what, what your competitor is doing? If they're, like a, if they're doing an AI platform, then what do you think that's going on with Google or somebody else doing some AI stuff? I might throw that in. But I don't want yeah. to put them to the curveball because I don't want to leave them stuck for words. Or I did one a few years ago. One of the first podcasts I did, I interviewed um, one of the guys in, in Accenture. And I asked them a question about something that was happening on, on the day to do with cryptocurrency. Just threw, threw it in there as a curveball. Mm-hmm. And yeah. in fairness to the guy, the guy, John, answered the question pretty quickly and gave me an answer. He said, oh, I don't know much about it, but I can get back to you on that. And everything, and just the way he answered that, and just puffed away, and gave me an answer that was good enough. That's great. And that's when I learned at times. He looked at me a bit worried because we do it live, face face it. We looked worried, but he answered it. And that's when I realized in the future, I'm dealing with somebody. Don't do too many curveballs because you're going to find out a scenario where they're not going to know what to say, or they're going to stick to words. Especially if you get somebody who's not very good at podcasts. Like I interviewed a guy a few years ago from Vietnam. He's big. He started a vintage company, a new one. And uh, he's a multimillionaire, and he was nervous. I said to the guy, why are you nervous? He goes, well, it's my first interview ever. I said, you're a multimillionaire. To get where you are, you have to go and sell yourself to various people and various issues to invest in you. They've done that. So if you can sell to them, you can talk to me any time. So at times you can know when someone's nervous. So when that's kind of case, you've got to make sure you don't basically make them more nervous. Because when someone gets nervous... They're less willing to answer your question. They might stammer, they might pause, there's a lot of mistakes. I'm not sure what to say, so you don't do that. I want to keep them at ease. I don't want to go and do a game Paxton where you go in and savage them and keep asking them a question. Yes or no, yes or no, yes or no. You want to make sure they're relaxed. <laughs> so when a viewer listens to the podcast, my aim is to let them listen to the person I'm talking to more than me. So they hear my voice now and again. But who I'm talking to, I want to get their life story and let them talk. So I always say, talk as long as you want, keep going. Any point you're fairly rambling, I will interject, but it's you money here, not me. Awesome. Well, look, I mean, hopefully we've adhered to those principles in this interview, and uh, uh, hopefully people find it useful, and it's also complementary to the article that maybe we embed in this piece as well that you recently published about 10 tips for podcasts as well. So uh, thanks very much for doing that. Uh, It was great to talk to you and get some good insights. And uh, I I hope people find it as useful as I did. Uh, Thanks very much, Ronan. Thanks, Simon. Have a great day. Thanks.